What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of Ramblin' Radio, episode number 87. It's been a minute since we've uploaded a podcast. A lot has been going on behind the scenes, but we're starting to ramp up the content again very soon. I'm going to update you guys on everything. Um, but today we've got a very special podcast. We've got a, an amazing guest. We've got Josh Landon on the podcast today. He is a serial entrepreneur, started in filmmaking, which is really fascinating. He worked on a ton of skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding documentaries, and has transitioned into this new role of his uh, serial entrepreneur and business owner. And he's got some incredible, incredible experience. He somewhat recently sold uh, his, his first company, St. Archer, uh, for nearly a hundred million dollars. And now he's working on Ashland hard seltzer, which is his, his new focus. And, and he's got about five other companies as well, but he, he is the de- definition of a serial entrepreneur. And I think this is going to be a extremely refreshing episode. At least it was for me. It was a fantastic reminder that there is no one way to do it. You really, truly can create your own path and do it in a way that works for you. There's a lot of minutia, a lot of just a lot of fluff content that's thrown around on social media, and I'm, I'm sure you're aware of it. And a lot of this information kind of turns into an entrepreneurial flex in a way where this info, some of it's good, some of it's positive, some of it is truly trying to benefit you, but some of it there there's kind of that toxic side where it's really just a flex and people are just posting about it because it makes them look good look how many look how many business books i have i've read look at how smart i am and um josh landon hasn't read one business book and he's more successful than most of the people on this planet so this is just going to be a fantastic conversation i think you're going to learn a lot and and again, it's just going to be a really nice, refreshing reminder for you. So enjoy the podcast episode. Before we get into it really quick, I am starting a new little series where I want to get you guys involved in this podcast. If you have a question for me where you think I can benefit you in your creative business with any type of business advice or relationship or creative, anything that you can think of that you think this podcast will benefit you in a way, send me a text message with your question at 847-383-7661. And if I like your question, I'm going to feature it and I'm going to feature you on this podcast. So that's 847-383-7661. I'll put it on the screen here. If you got a question for me and you need assistance with a certain topic, send me a text message and I'll feature you on the podcast and answer your question. That's it. Enjoy today's episode with Josh Landon and I'll see you in the next one. Peace. Just from doing a little background research, it, it sounds mm-hmm. like you started these companies. I feel like you're starting them left and right. Like you, you start them and then mm-hmm. they sell maybe two years, 11 months <laughs> yeah. down the road. And, and it's, it's super quick. Is this like a, is this a record speed? Because 
for me, when you hear about these companies getting started, it, it takes a long time. And, and I believe you sold St. Archer or what, and it took like two years, correct? Or two years. Yep. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. and then Ashland was, was 11, 11 months. It would have been, um, ultimately I, I, uh, we decided to kind of wait on the deal pause mm-hmm. and, and I think build the company a little bit more and, um, you know, Anheuser Bush and I were, we were kind of at the, the one yard line. And, and, um, I think there's just some things that, that I want to do, you know, I've been through this before. So, um, I think I knew what I, I wanted and what I didn't want. And in the end, it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't the right time. And, um, ultimately I think it will be the right time. Um, just maybe six months down the road, a year mm-hmm. down the road. Um, but you know, yeah, I think it was, it was best to just kind of keep going and see what yeah. happens here. Like, like you said, we're only 11 months old. So it was, it was hard for me to really know what to put a brand. Um, okay. and you know, we'd only done one capital raise, so there was definitely plenty of runway to keep going. We were only sold in two counties. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think in the end, I think, you know, having been through it before, like I said, knowing what you want and don't want is an important part of the puzzle. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think ultimately it'll work out, but. So you haven't, so you haven't sold it yet. Mm-mm. Gotcha. Still, okay. still going, still, still going. going, still going. Okay. So, so, you know, is, is two years then getting back to St. Archer, is that like, yeah, yeah. that's pretty quick. Uh, two, yeah. Two I mean, years ultimately like, I mean, in Ashland, had I not, had I not decided to, you know, not do it. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. a year would have been, I mean, I've never heard of that. You know, yeah. I've never yeah. heard of two years. You know, I've never heard of two years in the alcohol business. Um, you know, maybe there's like some tech companies and things like that that have sold really quickly. Um, but in consumer facing products, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking five to 10 years, I say would, I would, would probably be the average. Yeah. You know, and five years would be really fast. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, yeah. well, obviously you, you've got, you've got some sort of formula working and you got it in, um, you've become, I, I would say, you know, you're the definition of a, of a serial entrepreneur. I'm, I'm curious. I, I would like to take my audience kind of through that story. And I, I know you've told this story probably a hundred thousand times, um, I would love to kind of take it, take it back and, and really understand kind of what builds a serial entrepreneur. Is that something that you're born with? Is that just a product mm-hmm. of your environment? I know mm-hmm. you, you were a filmmaker as well. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that too, cause I'm a, I'm a mm-hmm. previous filmmaker photographer myself. So if That's we could, right. yeah, if we could take it back uh, to childhood school, what, what was your upbringing yeah. like? Let, let's start from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in um, Ventura, um, uh, just south of Santa Barbara here in Southern California. And um, kind of like a, no, I was an only child, you know, my, my parents got divorced when I was young, you know, three, three or four and, you know, lived a middle-class life. Both my parents worked and, um, you know, I think in a lot of ways, 
you, when you're an only child, you kind of, you're either like really spoiled or like really independent, you know? And, um, I was really independent and I was always, you know, getting myself to and from places. And, and, you know, my mom was, was always around and, and doing things for me, even though she was working full time, like, you know, there was just no choice. Um, but yeah, typical, you know, played sports and it was a fun, it was fun to grow up in the nineties, man. I'm a huge sports fan. And, um, I mean, what better than to grow up with Michael Jordan? I'm a huge Philadelphia sports fan, actually. Gotcha. Like massive. It's <laughs> a lot of ways it hasn't been healthy all these years, but, um, and my, my mom, um, like I said, she, you know, my mom, I guess, in her own way is pretty entrepreneurial. You know, she's had a multiple different careers and, you know, then when I was, um, you know, just you know, right around five or six, she decided to put herself uh, through law school and she became an attorney and ultimately had her own practice. And like, you know, that was later in life, you know, North of 40. And, um, you know, I think for, for, for me, mm. I just, um, I just didn't like school. I think for me, I was, I was, um, it's always been about being interested. I was just bored, you know, I was just, Mm. school's boring. And so I was bored and didn't really, um, I did okay enough to get by, you know, um, I think college was like something I thought I was going to do just because that's what everybody does. And as I got to my senior year of high school, I was like, I really have not a ton of interest in going to college um, and is when I kind of started falling in love with surf films, you mm. know, growing up near the beach and starting to surf more. And I mean, once you kind of realize you're not going to be a pro surfer, you know, the next best thing is like the surf films and um, yeah. Taylor Steele, who, who's a surf filmmaker, famous surf filmmaker from San Diego down here became my hero. And um you know, eventually started making my own films, which was pretty crazy to think, you know, that was like, that was, you know, the kind of the career path, you know, I started like doing it, you know, making my own movies and documentaries and, you know, started winning a lot of film festivals and, you know, was directing music videos after that in LA, which was an interesting place to be. Yeah, for sure. uh, not Not really for me. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I was doing it. I was like a working filmmaker, you know, my wife yeah. and I, we've been together since high school and, um, you know, I was supporting us. We got married pretty young, 24 and, um, and was supporting us, you know? Um, so, I mean, as a filmmaker, that's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy to be like a, that, a filmmaker as a career. It's tough. So yeah. yeah, man, I, I, um, it was good. It was yeah. good. Archer kind of everything. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> getting back to, to school other than, other than it being boring, mm-hmm. why did you not like it so much? Was it, was it your group, your, your circle of friends at the time where you're just not connecting with people? You know, I just listening mm-hmm. to your story, you're not kind of, it's just, kind of it reminds me of of kind of my upbringing and and i was a a single kid no brothers or sisters um and i did not have a a good college experience did you i i kind of missed it do you go to college or no did you decide not i did not 
you did not. Mm-hmm. What what kind of what kind of circles did you have friends wise in high school that um, yeah. did that did that lead to you not liking school or because I know you played no, sports. I did. Um, no, I, I just was never that interested. You know, I never was the kind of I didn't get in trouble as a kid. Um, yeah. I was a good good kid I you know was really interested in sports and just I I, you know I've always had a problem like you know keeping my attention you know ADD and and (laughs) you know I I still have it right I think I think in today's world like fucking everybody has it with the phones and all this bullshit but oh yeah um, TikTok TikTok's bad yeah it's just ridiculous (laughs) now right like every kid is screwed basically from an intention span perspective but um, I always struggled with that, but I think ultimately, ultimately, I just, I just didn't care. You know, I mm-hmm. would, I would kind of, um, I did it so I could play sports. Um, but mm-hmm. ultimately I had, like, like I said, I, you know, I had, I had a great high school experience. I mean, I had my, my, my girlfriend at the time, obviously later wife was the captain of the cheerleaders and I was a water polo player and won homecoming. And like, we had like, yeah, like typical kind of, yeah, yeah. Typical kind of high school. Um, just academically, I think I just was never interested. Like nobody from our graduating class would have said, you know, Josh Landon, that's going to be the guy who like does something with his life. There's no fucking chance, man. (laughs) No. Yeah. No one, no one would have said that. Um, which rightfully so, there was not much to say, you know, I, I just, um, I think I just, I, I realized early on through a lot of my classes, I'd be sitting there like in geometry or algebra two or whatever and going, I'm never going to use any of this shit. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I don't want to be a builder, you know, in chemistry. I don't want to be a scientist. I don't want to be like, right. But then the right. classes I would excel in would be like U.S. history or world history or, you know, things that when I would hear it and listen to the stories, it would be interesting. Yeah. Um, I would always do well in those classes. I just would never do the homework. But when it came time to do the tests, I would always do well because I would remember everything that I enjoyed listening to. Yeah, um, for sure. But I just, yeah, I just never understood. I didn't agree with it. Like, I still don't, I still don't agree with, um, the things that are taught in school. And I I don't think they're giving kids tools to be successful adults in the workforce. You know, they're just, unless you're going to law school or medical school or, you know, very specific things like that. Like, dude, what are you getting out of high school? Like, what are you getting out of learning geometry? Right. Nothing. It's a pretty outdated system, isn't it? It's very outdated. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you didn't, so you decided not to go to school. You know, for me, the only reason why I went to school really was because all my friends were doing it. And I didn't know at that point in time, I didn't know who I was, what the fuck I wanted to do. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, great. You know? Yeah. So you did, you didn't go to school. Why, why did you not go to school? Were your friends going to school too? And you were just like, fuck that. And, and you wanted to do your own thing. And you kind of had that somewhat of a vision of what you wanted to do mm-hmm. or were you still trying to figure shit out at that time? Yeah. I mean, I've never been one to say like, in, in regards to what I choose to do with my career, I've never been one to say, Oh, well, everybody's going to school. I probably should. Yeah. You know, I've never, I, I've never like, I wanted to make films and I didn't really give a shit what everybody else was doing, you know? <laughs> and, uh, 
in a lot of ways, I missed, I, I kind of missed that I didn't go to college. You know, I got mm. to travel and, and film some of the best surfers in the world. And, but there's things about college that seem really exciting, <laughs> you know, that are just, they yeah. seem pretty cool. You know, yeah. like, um, I think that I missed all that, which is okay. My wife went to San Diego state, so I got little, little glimpses of it and our friends were at college. So I'd go up there and we'd party with them and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I would have never made it through, man. You know, I would have never yeah. made it would not have <laughs> happened. Right. So it's like, I have a lot of sympathy for my kids doing these zooms. Cause I'm like, dude, I, I can tell you right now that your dad, no chance in hell would have ever done these zoom calls. Yeah. <laughs> There's no, like, like you guys are doing them cause I'm your dad and you're, you're doing it. But right. like, I would have never, I would have got at straight F's. And so I think, you know, but I, I knew early on, I didn't care what everybody else was doing. And, and a lot of people were like, you're making surf films. Like, what the fuck is that? Right. You know? um, And, you know, the only people that didn't say that to me were, you know, Janine and, um, and my mom, which really Mm -hmm. like, kind of the two most important ones to you know janine to this day through saint archer and through all of the businesses i've created has never said you know what if it doesn't work out or you know what are we going to do if this happens or that happens and yeah um obviously that was a huge support but starting with my mom from an early age and my mom is like the exact opposite of me right she's had different careers my mom's ivy league educated never got a B in her entire life at any level of school, right? She was a teacher, you know, she, you know, so here's me, right? Comes along and goes, fuck school. This is ridiculous. You know, she's like, where did I go wrong? Yeah. Right? Um, you know, she, so, but for her to never, she used to always say, yeah, you could do whatever you want. Like you could be whatever you want to be. And I actually believed her. You know, obviously, if I wanted to be in the NBA, I was like, well, chances are I'm not going to be a 6'6", two guard. But like everything else that doesn't require physical ability, do it. And I believed her. Or maybe a coach, maybe a basketball coach or something connected. I was a water polo coach. I was a water polo coach. Yeah, yeah. I played water polo throughout high school. And then I coached water polo for two years at at my high school. And I loved it. You know, to be honest, that's one of the things, the funny things is like, that's never come up in, in any of these podcasts or any of the interviews I've done through the years. I would have been a coach, man. Uh, I still think about it. Yeah. And it's funny because people will say to me, like, you know, what skills did you take from filmmaking and into the businesses and like, fuck nothing really. Right. Yeah. But like the, the skills that I took, I've taken more from when I was coaching high school kids into these businesses than anything Mm -hmm. else I've done. Because like in a lot of ways, being a CEO and a leader of a company is you're coaching. It's all communication, leadership. Yeah. I mean, that's what you do when you go and pitch and try to gain capital from, you know, as investors. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, (laughs) one of my questions was how did you bring filmmaking into, into your business? (laughs) That's funny. You said that. I'm just going to cross that shit off real fast. But I think it's like, you know, there, there just wasn't much. The only thing that did come from it was, you know, as a documentary filmmaker, you're, 
you know, you got to be really resourceful in multiple different areas, right? You're, you're kind of coming up with the story. You're trying to find any sort of financing there is, and then you're trying to just dis- get a distribution for the product and then market the, the, whatever the film is. So yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, it's a pretty entrepreneurial life being an independent filmmaker. Yeah. Um, so in a lot of ways there was some of that, but you know, when you're running a company and managing people, it's, you know, at least I don't think you could be ready for, you know? Sure. No, I get that. When did you stop playing sports and when did this filmmaking thing start coming around when you, when you started to discover that maybe you're not going to be a, a pro surfer after all, how old were you? Yeah. Yeah. I was probably 18. Oh, okay. So I was probably pretty young. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've always enjoyed, like I said, playing them and, and as a spectator and a fan, I've, I've always, you know, sports has been the one probably consistent through my life mm-hmm. all the way to now. Um, but I think, you you know, it just being realistic, you're like, I'm not really going to be doing what's the next best thing, especially when it comes to surfing and that's making surf films. But I... I always like really loved the idea of when I was in middle school, I would say, you know, we should start a t-shirt business like me and my friends and um, all that stuff was there, you know, yeah. it was, um, I never got excited about having jobs, which is probably why I got fired from multiple jobs for like 16 <laughs> to 18. Um, but I was always excited about doing my own thing. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're getting started in that way with that kind of attitude, it it rubs people the wrong way. Right. They're like, yeah, you know, kind of fall in line and go to school and get a job. And, um, I was always just confident more. Yeah. Was it, was it like an authority thing that you had a problem with? Like you didn't like people telling you what to do and you just wanted to do whatever interested you. And that was that. Yeah. 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 And I think I don't, and like when somebody tells me, Hey, if you don't go to college, you know, you're going to be working at McDonald's till you're 35. I would say, well, fuck you. And yeah. now I'm, now I'm really going to do it. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to proving you wrong. And yeah. um, I've had those kind of motivations all along the way. And in a lot of ways, like I make them up too. You know, you, you know, little things people say or little things that, that happen, I, they kind of stick with me and um, mm. almost like an athlete in that way, right? The, yeah. the kind of the craziest ones like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, the guys that are, you know, when you're that competitive and I'm in that kind of competitive mindset, you're kind of creating, you know, conflicts, to motivate you, which is, you know, it's funny that people are celebrated for that in, in business and in athletics, but really like, that's not a rad quality, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like that's not, that's a very stressful life. Yeah, you know? for sure. You're, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm from Chicago. So I, I grew up watching MJ. I mean, I was pretty young, but to, the best, the best, the best. And, and to find out from watching that new documentary, the, the last dance, I don't know if you saw that. Fabulous. Fabulous. That's gotta be one of the, one of the greatest sports documentaries of all time. I just Um, told my wife that last night that it's the best (laughs) one ever made. Yeah. I I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
it just, it makes you want to run through a brick wall and go get to work and, and not it's, stop. It's, <laughs> it's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to, you know, hear kind of the mental, just like you said, you know, the, the little scenarios that he would make up in his head to just mm-hmm. go insane in a, in a, mm-hmm. in a game. Is, is that something mm-hmm. at your level right now? Mm-hmm. Is that stuff that you're still doing mentally is playing mm-hmm. these little scenarios, these little mm-hmm. mind games? Yeah, I'll hear things here and there, you know, little slights. Um, even after all the success, um, I don't care about the success. I just hear the slight and I just, it'll stay there until I feel like I beat them, right? And yeah. whatever definition of that I have, I'll keep going until, you know, like I, my the one of the the first investor meeting I ever had for St. Archer. Um, I had my two. My daughter was three years old, and my my oldest son was six months. And I'm swinging him in the his little car seat, and I'm in this investor meeting. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I had no idea how to raise capital. I like right like, yeah. um, and I had the deck, and he's looking at it, and flips through it, and then closes it, looks at me, and goes. Um, not only is this a horrible idea, there is, you have absolutely no chance at making this successful. You don't have the ability to run a business, close the deck, threw it in the trash. And in a lot of ways, like that was kind of the best thing that ever happened to me in, in terms of business, because you know, three years later, four years later, when I sold St. Archer to the Forbes article and said, I was right, period. <laughs> so, I mean, That's those, incredible. you know, like, I'll hold on to those things for years, you know, and <laughs> think about them every day, you know? That's um, amazing. Yeah. So I think, you know, but that type of stuff that, you know, that, that stuff wears on you too, man, you know, like it yeah. wears on you. Now I don't let it bother me as much because I, I feel like I, I have less to prove, which has really just been a process for me. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, kind of finally being proud of yourself and being content with what you've done. And then, you know, you continue to go on because you just enjoy it, which is why I do it now. But still when I hear things like, yeah, dude, I, you know, and I could make a more dramatic, like I hear something and someone, someone goes yeah i mean i heard that thing's all right in my head they just said fuck him he sucks yeah. now. he's on the decline and uh i'll, I'll spin it into a i'll i'll like just yeah i'll push myself over the edge oh my god that's incredible yeah but like you said there's definitely a, a downside to that and it can it can wear you out but for sure uh, yeah <laughs> but still I, I wasn't i wasn't expecting that but that's that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty funny Getting getting back to to the filmmaking really quick. Uh, how long were you a filmmaker, and did you? I mean, was there a vision beyond that, or or were you like living the yeah. dream, and you're like, this is it, I'm I'm good here. No, no, no. I no, I um, I was a filmmaker from yeah, like eighteen, nineteen, all the way to about. I mean, I still am. I make all the films for our brands. Wow, I do every one That's from awesome. St. Archer to now. I've made every one of them. I would say, yeah, about 10 years, a little over 10 wow. years. And like, no, my aspirations were be a, a feature film director. Yeah. I, and I feel like I, I would have had a shot at it. It's funny now 
with with these companies now the we have investors that are like you know some of the more famous hollywood folks going mm-hmm. you know we have owners of studios and we have like the biggest agents and actors and direct- i'm like where the fuck were all you guys like 15 years ago <laughs> you know exactly exactly <laughs> um so it's funny it's it's like it's kind of one of those things now that i wonder you know, if the next chapter would be me going back into filmmaking and kind of uh, making movies again once I'm, you know, done with all these businesses. And now I know everybody there is to know. And I'm like, man, this was like the longest road possible to like right. being able to make movies in LA. But yeah, well, now, like you said, you, now you have all the connections you, you probably could need and, and that's it. Yeah, that's a wrap. It's, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's funny that way. That's so funny. What, what were some of your, your biggest projects that you were really proud of? Yeah, I think the two that really were probably the biggest ones, I made a movie called Flow on the history of modern surfing, which was you know Kelly Slater's life story and Tom mm. Curran and Al Merrick. And that film did really well. Um and then we made a movie on this woman, Tara Dekitas, who was a pro snowboarder in the early 2000s, made a movie yeah. on her life story that did really well, too. Yeah. Um, and those were, you know, and then after that, I made a handful more, um, made a movie on Todd Richards, who was a snowboarder from mm-hmm. from Massachusetts. And, um, you know, just like, you know, documentaries. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, they, they did well in the film festivals and ultimately that's what kind of led to music videos, like I said. And I think the natural step from there would have been, you know, hopefully directing a, a feature film. But, you mm. know, the idea for St. Archer kind of jumped in the middle of that. Yeah, let's talk about it. So was what was the, the tipping point? Because you said that was kind of a, a dream job and, and you were mm-hmm. feeling really good about it. And what... Mm what kind of tipped you over to St. Archer and decided made you leave this, the filmmaking stuff? Yeah. I mean, I always ultimately wanted to do something with my friends, I think, and, and build a business, you know, like I said, early on middle school with the t-shirts and, and that whole deal. And, and it's always been there in the back of my mind and um, wanting to do something bigger and build a business. Um, that was always attractive. I was always attracted to business in, in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, I had the idea when a friend of mine was asked to invest in a tequila business and, and be an ambassador for it. And I, I suggested that he do beer instead and the light bulb went off. And um, I said, how come there's never been a beer that's, that's come from our culture, which is primarily rooted in skateboarding and and surfing but but primarily skateboarding Mm. um you know i think uh and then a lot of my friends were some of the best skaters in the world because of all the movies i've made and best surfers in the world and i knew i could kind of bring everybody together and at that time it wasn't you know really common for people to just invest in businesses and kind of get equity so saint archer really was was a bit out of the box in that way especially for companies that are outside of of our our um like immediate culture of board decks and clothing and and shoes and accessories whatever 
um, you know, alcohol was kind of on the fringe, but it was the one thing that everybody like universally was consuming. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it was really just taking, taking the formulas of all the, all the brands that our friends have built through the years and just applying it to an alcohol business. Why, the only why? problem was, is I wasn't a brewer and I didn't <laughs> right. know anything about beer and I didn't know anybody in the beer business. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I want to do a craft brewery, but I don't know anything about anything, but how hard could it be? It was fucking really hard. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, you know, so it, yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to get into it. Why I, you know, skateboarding, I, I'm not super deep into the culture, but I know how much influence they had on clothing and shoes mm-hmm. and, and just so many different things. Why, why don't yeah. you think there was an alcohol company ever? Any, yeah, I think it idea? was just outside the box. I think people that are, you know, with, within skateboarding and surfing are just like, that's what they focus on. Right. And, yeah. Um, I think skateboarding is the biggest cultural needle mover there is, you know, skateboarding mm. is insanely influential in so many different areas. Um, and I think, yeah, just, it just, you know, I think companies had tried to make an impression on our culture everything from Bud Light to Pabst, you know, and all the Mexican beers. And, um, yeah. it's just, nobody cares, right? Like nobody cares. It's not authentic mm. and it's not from us. Right. That's the mm. difference. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, it was, it was definitely a different model for, for the alcohol world. And for me, I knew I could build the brand and knew I could get people excited about it, but I had to find people to actually build a brewery and make beer and somehow raise $3 million to do that. Right. Not yeah. knowing it, not knowing how to do that. Um, no, or knowing how to, what's even say to people, you know? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people are, are even willing to, take that risk, especially not knowing how to do something. I mean, it, that yeah. people that are, are, are logical would immediately just, you know, not even, not even try what made you really want to go for it, even though you didn't even know how to, to go about starting. Were you, were you always just a resourceful guy that just would figure this shit out and you were kind of born with that? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and the simplest way to put it is yes. Right. Like yeah. I, when I like something, like I didn't go to film school right? and I just kind of figured out yeah. how to, how to do that. And, um, Yep. I think I just really believed in it and believed in myself. And I, I would have been a fan of St. Archer and mm. I knew that there was something there. Like I would have consumed it. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. That's, that's kind of like the one thing people miss is, you know, everybody asks like, how did you raise $3 million? And really there is no like magic sentence that I can give you. Um, yeah. It's really just, it's like a lot of it comes down to God given personality, Mm. you know, like, do you have a way about you that, you know, conveys a story and clearly and authentically to folks and do they believe you? Like, do Mm. they just, do they just like flat out believe you? Are you a believable person? Mm. Like, do you inspire folks? Do you have that, you know, natural, you know, 
lead about you. You know what I mean? Like it, it and I do. Um, it's like one of the few gifts I've been given, I guess, is, is just, you know, the ability to motivate folks to follow my vision and, and trust me. And I don't think that that's something that can be learned. Um, you know, but there's also examples of the sacrifices that I made. Like when I went home and told my wife, I'm quitting making movies and we're moving to San Diego and, you know, she supported that and said, we'll find us a place to live. And I mean, you know, she doesn't say that none of this happens. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I think when you sit in front of somebody and you tell them, Hey, I just moved my family here. Like your back's up against the wall. And you're, when you're telling a story that, you know, about this new business that you believe in and you're like, I just moved my family here. I got two little kids. I have a wife. Like I have to figure this out. People are like, fuck, I got 20 grand. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, they're just believing in me. That's the thing is like you, you people want to sell their product, but dude, they're, they're buying into you. Right. Like they, no one that invested in St. Archer knew anything about craft beer or the beer business in general. All of the companies that I've created since the, they don't know anything about hard seltzer or canned cocktails or mm. they don't know anything about that shit. They just believe me. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that's what I tell people that are in college and, and kind of going through business school or whatever they're trying to do at the end of the day, they're not going to teach you shit at business school that you're going to apply to the real world of building a business, maybe yeah. like certain things, maybe like some processes, but they're not going to teach you how to do it. And I always tell them, take that time to really look yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself, you know, forget wanting to sound sexy by telling someone that you're an entrepreneur, forget about all that. Yeah. Like, are you an employee are you a business owner that that owns a business for 25 years and that's your career? Or are you a serial entrepreneur like I am? And it's not, it's not right or wrong or good or bad. It's just, who are you? Mm. You know, like some people really excel as employees and go mm. on to be insanely successful people. And some people are really successful owning and operating a single business. And then some mm. people are really successful creating multiple businesses and, you know, all these different things. But I think that's one thing that people miss, you know, they listen to podcasts and they, you know, they listen to this and that, or read this book and like saying, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. And I'm the, I can't even tell you how many people say they're a fucking entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm like, what have you ever, how many businesses have you built? None. They haven't done shit, you know? And like, that's, maybe that's just not you. But I think in today's world of this kind of obsession with self-promotion, I think yeah. people want to say the sexiest thing, but, yeah. you know, and, and like in a lot of ways, you know, like podcasts and things like this, and, and they're not about like superstar employees who like started in the mailroom and then just ended up being the CFO dude, making, you know, tons of money, insanely successful. Nobody tells that story. Yeah. You know, but like, yeah, no one tells it. Yeah. How did, how did you know you were a serial entrepreneur? Was it because after St. Archer, once it sold, you were on to the next thing. And that was like, 
you know, you kind of just knew you, you had this thing, you, you crushed it out of the park and, and now it's, you, you had that, you had to get that hit again, almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think where, when I noticed it was when, when the money hit my account, I didn't feel anything. Mm. I wasn't like proud or I didn't even really react. I actually noticed it in the moment. Like you're not even, and no smile, no nothing. Mm. Um, and I think in that moment realized that a lot of the reason why I wanted to sell St. Archer was to see how I would feel. Mm. I wanted to see if I would be motivated by the money. Um, are you motivated by building a business? What are you motivated by? Like what gets you going? And for me, the money had nothing to do with it. It's really just to compete at the mm. highest level and build brands to compete with the biggest brands. And yeah. when you, you know, a lot of people make money and then they realize who they are and they go, dude, I'm good. Just bought a nice house. My family's good. We got a couple of nice cars. We go on vacation. I'm done mm -hmm. for me. I didn't give a shit about any of that. I just wanted to compete again. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's all it was. I just wanted to keep going and building businesses that had state. Do you think you didn't feel like you were so stunned by the money because deep down you knew it was going to happen anyways? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like um, a lot of people ask, you know, was, are you so surprised that you, you know, this has happened and you, and like, you know, it's hard, it's hard to say, you know, cause it can sound insanely arrogant and it's, and there's no arrogance. It was really just, confidence like i always knew i would be successful at something yeah like i just i knew that i was gonna do something i i might not have had all the answers but i knew that i would not be just like a run-of-the-mill dude that works nine to five and punches mm. the clock and those are all my best friends you know mm. like that's it just wasn't me right i have mm. the utmost respect for that but it wasn't me and I knew it wasn't me. I always wanted something more and, and like a bigger challenge and do something much bigger. And um, mm. so, yeah, when we sold saying, no, I wasn't surprised. That was the plan from day one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, love it that. didn't like go, it wasn't like, Oh man, they called out of nowhere. Holy shit. We're going to sell it. No, you know, and that's the thing. It's like, you go raise capital. You're taking other people's money you got to tell them something that's going to happen, right? You're, you're not taking yeah. 3 million bucks of people's money and going, yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure. <laughs> you know, like, well, you know, it's, you, you can't, you can't take people's money and then, and then be surprised at an exit, right? Like that's, that should be your plan from minute one. Yeah. Is there, so. I, I know, I know, you know, getting investors, giving away equity, that's like, a very um, tried and true way of, of starting a business and, and getting this thing going. I mean, mm -hmm. are there cases that you know of where people just decide to not do, go that route and, and try to do it without giving away any equity? Is that something mm -hmm. that you've seen? And Oh, sure. Yeah. You know. Just for me, my business style is very aggressive and fast paced where okay. a lot of, you know, for a lot of folks, it's not comfortable to raise $3 million or $10 million or whatever it is, right? Like 
that creates a lot of anxiety and rightfully so you have a lot of people's money on your shoulders. Mm. Um, for me, that's never bothered me. Um, because I want to go fast and build a huge business. Mm. But I think if you, if you want to hang on to it and be more methodical and you're, you're cool with it taking 10 to 15 years, then yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. And there's people that build those businesses and, and they become very valuable and an exit happens every day. Yeah. Um, for me, that's just not my style. My style is to raise money, you know, bring on as many, you know, celebrities and influencers that I'm friends with that, you know, can promote them, just create more brand awareness. Like I think Ashlyn or, you know, Villager would be successful with or without them. Um, but they just speed everything up. Mm. So when you have millions of eyeballs on your brand overnight, it just speeds up, you know, the rate of sale and hopefully and all, all those types sure. of things. Yeah. I, I, I hear a lot that raising capital is probably the shittiest part of the whole experience. Why, why yeah. is that? Is that, is that just the, the stress and anxiety of having someone's money? Is it just the process of like getting rejected yeah. all the time or, or why, why is that so just fucking shitty? Yeah. I think for me, it might be different. Like, dude, honestly, I haven't experienced a lot of rejection. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've raised $50 million in the last 10 years. If you're, if wow. you're raising that much, you're probably not getting rejected a lot, Yeah, you know? Um, <laughs> but the hardest thing for me is just personally, I just don't like it. You know, I, I don't really like asking people for things. Um, and, and in a weird way, sometimes I wonder if that's why I've been so successful at it is because, mm. you know, maybe the attitude that I give off is like, this is what I'm doing. I'd be stoked to have you a part of it. But if you don't want to, I don't give a fuck either. Take it. Or you leave know, it. it's, yeah, it's not, I think people with me, if, if you had investors on the line, I think they would tell you like, you know, Josh gives you the authentic story and, and it's kind of like, you know, he's kind of doing you a favor by letting you be a part of it <laughs> and not like, and, and I'm not even purposely trying to do that. I think I'm just so passionate about what I'm doing and, and very confident in the success I think we'll have that I think people just go, well, dude, this dude's going to do it with or without me. So well, yeah. shit, we should probably jump in. Yeah. Um, so, but, but for me, I don't like it. I don't like the pro I fucking hate raising cap. I don't like it. It's not, mm -hmm. that's not my natural, my, I can like do it and, and obviously have some success at it, but I'd rather just be home with my family and being quiet. Like when there's, when there's functions, I'm the dude that's in the corner, like saying goodbye and not telling anybody. Right. So I, I, I would rather not, I'm not like the, when people go, yeah, it's a perfect networking. Networking is fucking ridiculous. You know, it's, it's like a, you're a, you're a used car salesman and, um, that's not my vibe. So you think you th raising capital is, is light networking, very similar. Yeah. I try and make it way more personal. Like I try and, you know, nowadays I've been, you know, um, Wes, our vice president, he'll put together a night to where, you know, all these different folks will come and will kind of hear me talk about the brand and, you know, I'm there for a few hours and then 
I leave and most of the time people put money in, but, but like, you know, I try and make as much as I can, everything one-on-one, right? Like I don't, um, I don't like go to places to try and meet people who might want to invest. I I don't do anything like that. Um, everything has been like a friend of a friend, like dude, Jared Goff, the now quarterback of the lions. Mm. He, Jared was like, you know, we were talking and, and he's like, dude, I'm stoked. I want to be involved. Let's do it. He's all, who else are you thinking? And I had just seen like a little piece on Cody Bellinger. And I was like, what do you know about Cody? Blah, blah. You do know him? Like, what's his deal? And mm-hmm. he's like, dude, you guys would love each other. You should hit him up. Like, I'm going to hit him up and I'll tell him you're going to call him and he'll be stoked. And then, you know, I hit up Cody and we hit it off and dude, that's how it's happened. <laughs> Yeah. It's that's like, amazing. that's, that's how it's gone for everybody. Like all the money I've raised, it's been no venture capital. It's been dudes like me and you. Wow. Like that's just, incredible. just, yeah, no, yeah. like just regular folks. Yeah. Just yep. personal conversation. Let's go, you know, hang yep. out. Yeah. Yep. I yep. love that. So, okay. So you, you got rejected your first investor meeting, you said, right. I, I know you were playing mind games with yourself after that moment, but <laughs> how, how did you pivot? What did you, what did you change? Was it, was there like something that you felt like you did wrong in that moment? Because the people that we have listening to this podcast are pitching themselves to, to brands like Archer village, mm-hmm. you know, all the, these brands mm-hmm. to, to get hired, to do film work and, and, design work and freelancers and things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what, what did you start doing differently that you found out in that first meeting? Was it just the person that was mm-hmm. just a big fuck no, or was it something mm-hmm. maybe you were doing that uh, you could have improved on? Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you just, you know, repetition, you're going to get more polished. Right. And, but I didn't change anything. I just kind of stuck to my guns and, and was like, no, man, this is, nah, this is it. Mm. Like, this is, this is going to be a good thing. And I don't care what he says. And like, you know, I think, but I've taken suggestions, I mean, all along the way from multiple folks. So it's, I've never, I've never been like, you know, I have a small group of friends that, you know, mostly my wife who has a lot of input on the businesses and decisions that I make. Um, so I ask a lot of people, not a lot, but a handful of folks that are, that are closest to me, who I love that, you know, give me honest opinions. And, and that's kind of as far as I go, as far as like, you know, changing certain things and um, personally and professionally, sure. you know, um, I'm always trying to get better as a person first and foremost. Cause I think if you're not like, if you're kind of not, you know, content with yourself. Like I, I think you'd have a real hard time. How much getting back to the the transition from filmmaking to um, using capital, starting St. Archer, how much anxiety and fear did you have during that transition? Was that just a huge shock to the system or were you just so focused because like you said, you were putting your, yourself back against the wall and the only direction you can go is forward. Was there, I mean, was that a tough time for you and, and the kid, I mean, to do that with kids and a wife, like for me, mm-hmm. it was a lot easier, you know, it's just myself, you know, I live with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. we, we don't have a house, we rent, you know, there's not as much stuff mm-hmm. to lose. It's very easy for us to rebuild, start mm-hmm. over, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. for you, at maybe a later age, having kids and things, how, how difficult mm-hmm. was that for you? 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah, I, it, 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 it wasn't the honest to God answer is, um, you know, I've never said, what if this doesn't work out or I just don't think like that. And I would fuck, I'd tell you if I did, you know, mm. like I would tell you if I was scared or there was anxiety. Cause I have all that stuff in my personal life. You know, I've dealt with anxiety and mild depression. I've, I've dealt with all that stuff. Um, yeah. but it's weird cause it doesn't translate into my business life. I have like that mechanism doesn't exist of fear in business. I have none. And huh. I don't know why. I'm like, why didn't I get that? Like personally would have made life so much easier. Yeah. Give, give um, me some but of I, that. Yeah. I just have never had that fear mechanism and just have my foot on the gas. But in my personal life, like I said, much, much different. Um, mm. So maybe that's been the counterbalance. I don't know, but you would think if I had those, you know, personality traits, you know, you, it would carry over to having anxiety and, and, you know, maybe holding back with business, but, but for some mm. reason, not, I don't know. Do you think because you didn't know what you were doing in the beginning, maybe it was a, uh, maybe an ignorance of some sort where you just, you didn't know. Right. Yeah, I think there was just a lot of excitement too, you know, yeah. like it was exciting, like you're doing something you don't know, like every day was a challenge and every day was, I think if anything, maybe uh, it hasn't, but if anything, maybe the anxiety and, and those types of things would come in as you've been successful, right? Because then yeah. a lot of people are trying to replicate that success. And, you know, when people invested in me with St. Archer, they were like, well, Maybe we'll get like a couple free t-shirts and some free beer out of it. You know, now, <laughs> right. now people are investing me trying to like um, take them to retirement. Mm. Right. So it's a, com it's a completely different set of expectations. And, um, you know, fortunately for me, I've been able to kind of block that out and, and, you know, focus on, you know, what the goals are. And yeah, um, it's hard though. The noise is much louder now, right. There's, yeah. You know, when you, when you're successful, it's funny when you're successful, people want to give you their opinion more often because mm. their own insecurities, they want to like, feel like they want to go to your level or bring you down to their level, mm. whether, whether it's brought on by yourself or not. Like, you know, I never ask people and they just, they want to, they want to, you know, bring you down to their level. Yeah, they want to have some kind of input and make themselves for sure. Always, Jesus, yeah. always. Yeah. I get that. You know, I think I think kind of staying in that time period. You know, a lot of, a lot of people are afraid to make the wrong decision and kind of let themselves evolve. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds like you wore a lot of hats. You know, you had a lot of different jobs. Did. Did those, did you get something from each and every single one of those jobs that you feel like supported you to, and got you where you are now or, or not really? Probably not. Um, obviously filmmaking. Yes. Cause all of the, all of the friends I met through those years were ultimately a majority of them were investors in St. Archer. So, I mean, that was a huge deal. I mean, everything I did, you know, from when I was 18 years old, you know, uh, was kind of the, the story that needed to be built, you know, to get to St. Archer. Right. So that's, what's funny is when people go, yeah, it was overnight. I'm like, not really. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like there was a lot that was not like, you know, paved the way for, for that to happen. So you got your 3 million and I don't know, it, just from what you've told me so far, I, I'm going to say that wasn't a big shock. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um, it, it kind of, kind of, I mean, anytime you get that much money, you're like, wow, like we actually yeah. did it. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, like, so you're yeah, human. Was, you are human. I am. <laughs> I am. It was, it was, it was a, it was like, you know, I, I was expecting it, but still like, that's a lot of money, you know? And, yeah. and then you're, you know, you're building a brewery from scratch. Like it, it was, yeah. it was cool, man. I, did, yeah. I didn't take any of it for granted. When, when did you know it was special when, when sales started coming on pretty quickly or was it just the, the team that you were, you were building? What was that thing that kind of sparked? Yeah that you were like, wow, yeah, I got something. Honestly, um, obviously the sales in the beginning, everything started going and we put together a really, really amazing team. Um, but I saw somebody wearing a St. Archer shirt at Disneyland. Wow. And I went, hmm, this is like maybe something pretty cool. Yeah. And um and that was like two months in. And I was like, I still, I still see people today, 10 years later, I see someone walking down the street with a St. Archer hoodie on. I'm all, who the fuck is that guy? Like, yeah. I still feel like I should know everybody that's wearing them. Do you go but up to that was, person and yeah, be like, well, yo, yo, I'm dude, the fucking times, owner, dude. <laughs> a, a lot of, no, my kids do it for me. Unfortunately, now they'll, they'll like, you know, we saw, we were at Costco a few months back and we saw this gal putting Ashland in her cart. And my, of course, my boys are like, my, that's my dad's. Right. And she just thinks I'm nuts. Like, what do you mean? That's my dad. Your dad drinks that much. He calls it his own. Like, what's wrong with him? Right. Um, yeah. But, but my kids are good at that. I, I think I think a lot of people use the excuse that an industry is saturated and so they won't even bother trying. You see it in the YouTube space. Oh, I'm not going to start a YouTube channel. Everyone's doing it. Um, you know, all, all type physical products, digital, everywhere. Sure. Obviously, you've disrupted industries that were quote unquote saturated. Um, sure. what, what would you say to someone that is like, that says, oh, that's too saturated. I'm not going to bother. What, what would you say to someone like that? I mean, that's clearly just like, that's an excuse, right? Um, yeah. there's been, there's so many examples of folks that have, that have, you know, debunked that theory of, you know, craft beer was as saturated as it gets, but we created something that, you know, was different. And, um, something that I just liked and a lot of ways, like what you like and what you're interested in and like what you have to say, you know, there's probably a lot of other folks out there that like it too. You know, like, Mm. I mean, dude, look at Tesla for Christ's sake. I mean, the car industry is as saturated as it gets. And here he comes with a car that is something that he liked, you know, Mm. and the list goes on and on and on. But I think for me, I just created a beer that was aesthetically pleasing to me with a story yeah. that I would gravitate towards. Yeah. And, um, and, and just like looking at the, you could look at anything and, and go, how could I make this better? Or how could I make this um, more like tailored to, to what I like and, yeah. and talk about the things that I like and tell the stories that I like. And I think there's more opportunity out there than people think. Cause as consumers, we all want to grab onto stuff that's authentic, you know, right. like, 
I want to gravitate towards brands that like are authentically telling a story and, yeah. and I, that I believe, right. I'm going to, I'm way more likely to, to buy that than the no bullshit. Yeah. Is that, is that your focus more of like the branding, how people feel about something than the actual yeah. product itself? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm best at is building the brands and then, you know, putting folks around me that I trust possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, my whole focus is the brands. How many, how many businesses do you, do you have in total right now? Well, I've started, gosh, since St. Ar- seven, seven, seven since St. Archer. Um, but right now we have, um, I'm a, a co-founder in an alcohol distribution business here called Scout and brewery called Harlan and a wine business called Claxton. And then I yeah. own Ashland and I own a company called Villager Spirits, which is a canned cocktail business. Wow. And, and how much, how much focus? I mean, when, when are you ready to move to the next project? Do you wait until, you know, it gets to a certain level where you've, you know, created a team around it? When, when do you kind of move on? Do you, have you gotten just so fucking good at it now? Or are you like, you just have all the resources where you can just kind of, you know, implement the formula and, and get on to the next What? How do you yeah, know over the last, to move on? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's not just me, it's everybody involved. Is everybody ready? You know, now I have a team around me of like the folks that I trust and, and, um, you know, are, are either I like to be with every day and, and now kind of creating an LLC that will hold all of the brands that I create, um, mm. which is really exciting. And we have, we have, you know, a great team in the field and, and, you know, basically the best of the best. Um, yeah. And so now we can create brands, you know, very affordably and plug them into our pipeline, um, mm. which is really exciting. So, so I think you kind of got to go, cause for me, it's easy. I go, let's put out a new one. Let's put out a new one. Let's put on, right. Like yeah. I could keep going, but it's really the team going like, do they have the bandwidth right now to take on a new brand? Um, you know, is everybody excited about it? Mm. You know, so it's a collaborative thing. It's, it's not just me. If it was just me, I would put out one every two months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's, is the team. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, you think you would ever start a company that's outside of, you know, some sort of beverage? Cause it sounds like it's all, it's all beverages, yeah. right? Some sort of beverage. Yeah. Alcohol is really, what's funny is cause I'm not really that big of a drinker. Um, oh, that's funny. Alcohol fits my personality the best. It's, um, you can control a lot of it. You can go up and down the street and sell your brand into, you know, various bars and restaurants, and liquor stores, yeah. and yeah. you know, independent grocery. Um, whereas with other industries, you can't do that. You know, non-alcoholic beverage, you can't do that. Food, you can't do that. Um, I have no interest in clothes or, you know, and those, those types of things are, you know, th- there's already awesome brands. Like imagine doing a clothing brand with all my friends. It's like, dude, Supreme already exists. You know, right. like... 
there's there's already they they already did it you know james nailed it and you know the guys at kith nailed it and and all the different you know board brands and skateboarding they all nailed it you know yeah. like there's no there's nowhere else to go in my opinion um mm. so i think in those industries like being disruptive is that's a different ball game man you know, you have such great brands. Um, you got to do something that's very unique and different. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's an uphill battle. But it's um, possible. Not something it always, you know, there's always. new brands that come out all the time that you're like, holy shit, where did that come from? You know, mm-hmm. but it takes something special. Um, yeah. but yeah, I don't think so. I think this is it. Um, like mm-hmm. I said, if I, if I was going to do anything else, it would be completely different and you know, maybe go back to making movies and, um, you know, Janine has, my wife has some things that she wants to do and I would be stoked to just support her and kind of be in the background and, and let her do her thing and help wherever I can. And that sounds fun too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great place to be in. How much, how much support has has she had? I, I know probably just an insane amount, especially after just saying, yeah, let's, yeah. let's do this without even yeah. any hesitation. I feel like, I mean, she's been yep. there since the beginning for you. Yep. Um, you know, without, you know, without sounding too cliched, like in every sense of the phrase, um, and this wouldn't have happened without her. Mm. So, um, the support and, um, you know, I can't even say that I would have been that supportive, you know, it's, mm. it's, I think when you're not presented with a, a, a challenge in which you have to go outside your comfort zone and support somebody unconditionally, it's easy to say what you would or would not do, mm. right? When you, like your girlfriend, if you, you know, you don't feel like you're presented with the opportunity, it's easy to say, I'd follow her anywhere. Yeah, I love her. Well, that's because you don't think she's moving to Philly. Right. Right. But then when she comes home and goes, Hey, I just got a job in Philly. Let's go. Are you really going to be down? Mm. You know, like for real, or were you just saying that to make yourself sound good for the last six months? Right. (laughs) And I think, um, I think a lot of people when, when, when push comes to shove and, and, you know, their livelihood could be affected. It's funny how supportive, um, they actually are, which in a lot of cases is not much. Yeah. And so for Janine to just out of nowhere go, yeah, let's go with two kids and like the only fam- family and friends we have, like that's that's special, man. Like Crazy. that's just not that's just not normal. And um, you know, in a lot of ways, like a lot of um, business, a lot of dreams die with your spouse, male or female. Mm. And like you say, this is what I want to do. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I think nine women out of 10 in that scenario would have said, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. Fuck you. Like, we're like, how could you want to like risk everything we have for our family? Blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, And, you know, that's, I fortunately got the one that, that um, not only said, let's go, never said, what if it doesn't work out? Mm. What if like this happens or this or this or this always fucking believed 
that I would do it wholeheartedly and unconditionally, which is, mm. that's, that's rare, right? Yeah. Zero rare. doubt. And she's been, yeah, she zero doubt. And she's been the biggest, she's the, the, you know, the kind of, she has her fingerprints over all over every brand that, you know, people don't see that they just, I get all the credit and, mm. you know, they don't see what she does, but like the support and, and, and the opinions and the, you know, mm. it's, I couldn't have done it. Wouldn't yeah. have happened. Yeah. Gotta have, gotta have a woman's touch. Dude, I, for I, sure. <laughs> I, um, you know, kids, and, 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 you know, I guess I would call myself a kid. I'm 28. I'm still a kid. We're afraid of relationships. I think as an entrepreneur, because of what you just said, it's like, you know, mm -hmm. they're going to slow us down, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, whoever, you know, would you fear if you, if you had your businesses now and you were, and you were single, I mean, would, is that something that you would fear is getting into a relationship or no, that might, that might be something hard to answer. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't hold me back. I think if anything, if you're in a situation where you think it would, you're probably in a bad situation. Right. Um, yeah. You know, but then there's all the other challenges, you know, like we went through building these businesses and being married with kids or you know, even just, you know, being in a relationship, it's challenging. It's strain. It's very straining on a relationship to, you know, be an entrepreneur and, and, you know, or start up your own business or even go be an employee and you're working 20 hours a day. Right. Like it's, it's never easy. And there's never like, Oh, if I have a relationship, there's no way it's going to happen. It's like, you, know, you just need to go fucking make it happen regardless of, I mean, that's ridiculous. Right. Like mm -hmm. that's just an excuse. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's the thing. The funny thing is, man, like through all this, like the only difference between me and everybody else in a lot of ways is I just went out and did it. Yeah. Never made excuses and was like, I'm doing a craft beer business and I did it. I'm doing yeah. a hard seltzer. I'm doing it. I'm doing, I want to do a can Just go out and fucking do it. That's mm. really that simple, isn't it? It is, man. It's not yeah. like, dude, you want to go raise money? Like jump into the fucking deep end and go do it. Yeah. Go do it with passion and authenticity and people will see that. And then people will lead you to somebody else. And then that persistence and hard work and, 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 you know, just competitive drive and all of those things, like you'll get there. But like yeah. the first thing you just have to fucking do it. And mm. That's why most things never, I always tell people you get a business off the ground, dude, congrats. <laughs> Nobody even does that. And then if you create a business that people actually give a shit about, you just did what 98% cannot. Yeah. And then, you know, you take something to an exit, you're in the, you know, 1% of the 1%. Um, but it's, it's, you know, to just creating a business in itself, like people just need to go out there and do it. It's not as hard as what everybody thinks it is, mm -hmm. you know? And I don't, don't read any of the self-help business bullshit books. Don't, don't, I don't do any of that. I never have never read one. Mm. I love that. Just go, I, I just go that. out and just like, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't get motivated by any of this shit. Like I don't, I'm not inspired by any other alcohol brands. Like I'm not, 
just dude, go out and do it and don't let anything you're standing here get off the fucking ground and go do it. You know, yeah. <laughs> Love like, it. dude, it's just a different generation too, though, man. You know, it's, it's a different time. Yeah. I mean, you see so many people preaching about, you know, reading every day and just consuming and consuming and consuming. And the more books you read, the smarter you're going to be and et cetera, et cetera. You know, I got to be, this is such a fresh, you know, interpretation or or just a a fresh answer to kind of hear that and know that, you know, you, you don't have to be like every schmuck on Instagram telling you what to do. Oh, you got to read this book and do this. And, you know, I mean, dude, straight, that's all fucking bullshit. Yeah. And the dudes that are, that are saying all that shit, they haven't done a goddamn thing. Yeah. They just like, it just, they haven't. It's, it's like, I didn't read, I never went to college and I don't, I don't read business books. So what does that tell you? I mean, that it's like, I have a vision for what I want to do and I'm not, like I said, like, I didn't, I don't, I don't read the alcohol trade websites. I don't like, I don't do any of that shit, man. I look up, you know, Philly sports in the morning and have a cup of coffee and I go to work, you know, I don't look at what other brands are doing. I don't, fuck, I don't, I don't give a fuck what other brands are doing. Cause if we perform at the level that we're supposed to perform at, then we're going to win. Yeah. I will say, you know, you, you can't do it alone. You need some no. type of team. You need some, you need support. Yeah. You don't have to read yep. a book, but you, but you can't, you can't do it alone. Nope. Who, who are those people for you either in the businesses or outside of the businesses that were yeah. huge fucking support systems for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, you can't, I mean, I know all of the things that I'm not good at, you know, which is a lot of stuff. Um, mm. And then I know the couple of things that I'm good at. And I, I focus on those and I know my lane and, you know, that's, that's kind of that. But for me, yeah, I've had, you know, numerous of the best employees, some that are still with me, some that aren't, um, you know, and then outside of this, you know, for, fortunately for me, like my best friend, Kelly works here and, um, you know, I have the utmost trust and, and love and respect for him and and having that support day to day is huge here right right like right next to my office mm-hmm. um and then you know Wes who's the vice president of Ashland like he's one of my closest friends in the world and like we vacation with our families and and like having that kind of unconditional love closest to me inside of the business is is a huge deal man it's a really mm-hmm. big deal knowing that people are protecting you and your business, um, you know, unconditionally to the utmost degree is a, is a really big deal. And Mm. so like, for me, I would have never been able to do it. There's, I mean, there's, it, I, I probably, um, you know, less than most have taken on, you know, not as many roles as you typically would in the beginning. I've just hired all of the best people. Um, So like, there's people that can take credit for a lot of the things I've done, you know, um, Jeff Hansen, who came from beer, like taught me the beer business. He now is the CEO of Scout, our alcohol distribution business. I mean, you know, he could take just as much credit for St. Archer in a lot of ways. Right. So, 
Um, there's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of people like that that can take a lot of credit for these, for these businesses and the success we've had for sure. Yeah. Have you had any mentors along the way, or was it just the people that you were hiring that already had previous, previous experience in, in this industry? Yeah, I've never had a mentor. Um, I just kind of learned as I went along from the people that I respect, yeah. um, just little bits and pieces, but I'm not, that's not really my personality to like ask somebody to like, show me the ropes, mm. right? Like that's, that's not my vibe. Or even just the people that have been there, done that, and just kind of created relationships, friendships. I mean, I have, res- I have, re- yeah, I have respect for the people that have done everything before um, me, for sure. You know, our distributor was St. Archer was stone. You know, nobody has paved the way for craft beer since the mid to late nineties than them. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, they paved the way for breweries like St. Archer and, um, mm-hmm. And so many others, uh, especially here in California, um, they just, you know, kind of learning little pieces from them and what they did. And, you know, when I do get the chance to go out to lunch with somebody like Steve Wagner, who's their founder, you know, trying to listen as much as Paul, I don't say much in yeah. those situations. I just try and listen. Um, and I think that's just a huge deal, but I think, you know, a lot of people are looking for that. Like, Oh yeah, I just want a mentor to like, you know, again, it's, it's like one more thing to kind of slow you down. Like mm-hmm. you don't need a mentor, man. Just get out there and fucking figure it out. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think people take things just way too seriously. Yeah. Almost. They overthink they to, it. Yeah. Overthink yeah. it. I mean, yep. I've been guilty of that plenty of times and it's easy you know, to do it's easy to yeah. do yeah and and people like you and and some other people in my circle just like remind me to just stay in my own fucking lane and just keep yep. working on the vision and and stop getting so distracted keep pushing. I mean, yep. we're so distracted it's such a distraction uh type of world we live in because of social it is. that's for sure and, that's for sure yep i mean it's it's pretty wild um I'm obviously it doesn't affect you. What about, what about work-life balance? I I know you've been asked that a few times. Is that, is that even a thing that exists to get to where you are today? A work-life balance? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, I think, uh, you know, through time, you know, it was really hard in the beginning. Um, You know, my wife and kids know that they're the priority um, and I think once that trust is, is in place, you know, Janine knows that I'm only somewhere cause I have to be and, and I'll be there the, the shortest amount of time possible. Right. Like mm-hmm. if, if you have me for an hour, I'm there for an hour, you know, mm-hmm. and like, they know that as soon as I can, I'm coming home. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's, you know, locally at work or that I could be in New York or I could be in Europe, you know, it's. I'm always coming home right when I can. And that's just years of, you know, seeing that and knowing that they're important and showing that and taking the time always to put them first. Mm. But Janine also knows when we go on vacation to Hawaii or wherever we're going, I'm going to work. Like Mm. she knows I'm going to be on the phone. She knows I'm going to be doing emails and do it. Like that's just, that's what it is, man. You yeah. know, like she just knows that's part of the gig. And I try and slow it down a little bit more when, when we're on the road. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to be checking in with with everybody and and um, dealing with things as they come up. And, um, you know, she's never like, yeah, don't do this or like you're going to go for five days and not check your phone. She knows that's just not I like it, you know, like yeah. I I I like it like I'm not doing it because I have to. I, I really enjoy it. And I I enjoy hearing how things are going. I enjoy the whole process. Yeah. Um, so she, you know, we, we've been doing this long enough that, that she knows, you know, it's yeah. pointless to tell me, Hey, you're not going to be on the phone for the next four days. She fucking knows that's not happening. Right. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like yeah. that's more of like a work-life integration where you, yeah. you're on vacation. Yes. But you know, the yeah. first two hours of the day you're on the computer, you're on the phone, et cetera. Then you're going and playing with the yeah. kids. Then you might come back, take a call, whatever. It's a- and that's everyday life for me in a lot of ways, you know, like right. I'm super available. I take my kids to every sporting event. I don't miss anything. You know, Janine and I go out to dinner. Like, you know, it's, it's like, it's much more realistic to go, Hey, when you're out to dinner with your wife, don't be on the phone. You know, like leave it in your pocket. Like there's, there's nothing happening in the next hour that you need to like text somebody back. Right. Like when I'm my son's water polo game, there's nothing that's happening. That's going to make me check my phone and miss what's going on. Right. Like those things are much more realistic goals. And, and I do all that, you know, like when we're all out together and we go to the movies or we go to dinner as a family or whatever, like my phone's nowhere near me. Mm. Yeah. I love that. You're, you're, you're flipping the business switch off. You're, you're flipping on the personal switch and you're flipping, yep. you're flipping these things on and off on and constantly. off. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. Um, all right. I got, I got a few more questions cause I, I don't want yep. to take up too much of your time, but, um, we we've, you know, I'm, I'm definitely starting to get an idea of how you work and, and what's important and what's not just for the people listening you know, if you had to start over from scratch and rebuild a, a business, what, what are those key pivotal things that you need to, to take care of step-by-step step if you were to start over completely from scratch? You know, what, what kind of are those pivotal, pivotal things that you need to take I mean, care of? God, there's nothing more. There's nothing, depending on what you want to do, but there's nothing, like I've said, there's nothing more important than just making that decision to go. Mm. Um, And then once you dive in, you know, all the answers will come from that, right? Once you kind of make up your mind and you're disciplined, you're going to figure out what to do next. Like, right. Mm. You, you want to open up a hair salon. You're going to, you go, Nope, I'm doing it. I'm okay. And every day you're going to say, I'm going to go find a place to rent. I'm going to talk to the landlord. I'm going to, you know, figure out how much it costs to do this. I'm going to try and get a loan from my parents. I'm going to try and top right. Like you're going to, you're going to start making progress. And, um, and I think the only thing that I would probably say, and then, and then that varies for each business, right? If you want to go build a brewery, you're going to need to like start talking to people, raising capital, and you should probably go talk to an attorney about, say setting everything up correctly to protect yourself and you know all those types of things right but um you know i think the only thing that that i could say is like just get ready for an emotional you know time you know Mm -hmm. i think that's the one thing i would have said to myself like you got to get ready you know it was the hardest two years of my marriage was those two years of doing saint archer 
you know, and you, you know, navigating through the emotions that I had and, and, you know, how hard it was on Janine. It was really hard, man. You know, those days where, you know, she's upset and, and, you know, for whatever reasons and like, you're going to work anyway, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to go and like, you can't like turn it off. So that's what you're signing up for. Like you're signing up for to make it hard around everyone around you. And then you keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Like Mm. that takes a certain kind of person, Mm. right? Like that, you know, are you the kind of person that when you're, and rightfully so, if you are, like if your, your wife is crying and doesn't want you to leave, do you, would you go anyway? Or do you stay and console her and miss work and miss whatever responsibilities you have? And then, and then you keep doing that and you know, you're doing it right. You know, you're making it hard on somebody that you care about. And Mm. that's a really tough place to be, man. Like that's a, like, I never wanted to hurt her, make things hard on her and um, hard on the kids. And, um, but that's what I signed up for. You know, it's not necessarily what they signed up for, but it's what I signed up for. And then you got to get yourself through that. You know, that's, that's hard stuff. Really hard. How have you changed as a person throughout this journey? Did you have to become Mm -hmm. someone totally different and level up to match the vision that you were trying to go for? Or did you feel like you were already that type of person? Because with me, you know, every time I get to that next level, I have had to become that next level as a person, as an individual. And growing is extremely, it can be extremely uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why so many people stay where they are. Mm It's because of that um, comfort um, of Mm -hmm. of growing. Where where do you Mm -hmm. feel like you had to, step the step up and and become that next level of of josh landon yeah i think it was personally um you know i think finally you can't really like i said before like when the growth personally of being content and with who who i am and like kind of like the person that i am um you know i think then then once you kind of get that you know, you, you really, you know, love yourself, even though it kind of sounds cheesy sometimes because so many people say that now, but it's kind of true. Like once you accept who you are and and try and get better though, and still, and like kind of keep progressing as a person and, um, you know, maturing as a person, I think, um, that's where the growth comes in business, right? Then you, you can deal with things much more calmly and, and uh, succinctly and clearly. And, um, but until you, you kind of settle with yourself, there's always going to be this angst. And I think when there's that angst then then everything is much more emotional and you're probably a bit more stunted. And so for me, it's just been a lot of work of just kind of trying to figure out how to get more comfortable with myself and uh, yeah. it's probably a lifelong process for folks. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it just comes with age too. You know, if you're, if you're a self-aware person and, and people can give you, can critique you and, and, and you can not get defensive and just kind of soak it in and accept it and, 
and try and get better from it. Like a lot of people don't want to hear anything, any sort of constructive criticism, criticism in general, anything like that. Whereas it doesn't really bother me. You know, my wife is constantly, you know, saying, look at it this way or try and react this way, or maybe, maybe do this. And I always take it to heart and try and incorporate it. And, Mm. and if you can be like a better person, you're going to be a better leader in business. Yeah. Did you, did you always know what your weaknesses were and knew exactly who to hire to make those, the overall business strength? Yeah. Yeah. That's just self-awareness, just self-awareness. I mean, I'm not good at anything organizational. Like I'm not organized when it comes to business. Um, (laughs) I don't, I I don't like um, the day-to-day management of people. Um, you know, I have a hard time with all of those types of things, like, you know, the nuances and, you know, really being in the weeds with things in business. I don't have that Mm -hmm. in me. Um, you know, I, I don't have the, I'm not good at being behind a desk for eight hours a day. I I don't have the attention span for that. And so I think, yeah, when you, you got to find those people that are really good at those things. That's the thing is because of people's egos, they try and convince themselves that they need to do everything. And that's just an ego thing. Yeah, for sure. What what do you, uh, since you know your strengths, you know what you're good at. What, what do you do now? What's your, what's your zone of genius? What are you working on? Um, what are you doing day to day that is improving your, your businesses that you love to do? Yeah, it's constantly pushing them for pushing the brands forward, you know, coming up with new things to talk about and release into the market and, and staying connected with investors and, and, you know, wholesalers and, and figuring out, you know, ways to grow. And um, that takes a lot of time, you know, I'm really, I'm really ingrained in the brand side. So I'm constantly working on that, but like you need to keep things fresh and evolving all the time. So that's pretty much all I'm thinking about. And then, you know, thinking about creating new brands and and looking at which categories are doing well and, you know, always thinking about how to just keep pushing forward and, and staying aggressive. And, you know, do we need to hire people in these regions? What holes do we have in the staff? Like all that kind of stuff is pretty much daily ongoing thing. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, one, one last question before I, I let yeah. you go. And I, and I asked this pretty much at the end of, of every episode, but because, you know, you're pretty much, you've established an amazing amount of wealth for yourself. You've got your businesses, you've got on paper, you know, a dream life, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, are you, first of all, what is your dream day? What, what are, if you could describe like the perfect day? what does mm-hmm. that look like? And did it change throughout each mm-hmm. level of success or is it stayed mm-hmm. the same for you? What, what is, what's a dream day for you? Like the perfect day. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, we get pretty close to that. Um, you know, I really, I enjoy waking up and having coffee and, you know, reading about my favorite sports teams and, um, maybe go for a swim. And, um, I enjoy talking about the brands. Um, but then mostly I just love being with my friends and family, you know, watching my son play water polo and then 
maybe having a barbecue and a couple cocktails with my wife and our best friends. And yeah, that's pretty good, man. You know, like I'm, I'm like a, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy, you know, like yeah. I don't, I don't need a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, there's definitely certain things that I like, but, um, but pretty simple, you know, I don't need to do like extravagant vacations and like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not like a flashy person. Um, mm. so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, doing whatever makes you happy and what makes me happy is being with friends and family and kind of just cruising. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, like I feel you having fun and yeah, just, just, you know, um, but like all these brands, like every, I would do it for free, man. Like I, yeah. I, I, I love it. I, I love everything about it. It's stressful. And there's definitely times I want to throw my phone out of the fucking window in my car, <laughs> but I, I love it. You know, like I, I love it. I feel very fortunate. Yeah. I, I like asking that question because most of the time when people respond, yeah. even, even at not at your level of success yet, not at that financial level, especially, you know, you don't need a certain amount of finance to live out that dream day. And for no. a lot of people, they're not doing it and, and they can be doing no. it right now. And Every that day. would also, yeah improve their quality of life and improve yeah. the products and, and business that they're working on too, you know, hundred percent, man. Yeah. hundred percent. Anyway, anyways, um, Josh, thank you for this, man. Where, where can people follow you? What, what, what's the brand that you want people to, to check out the most right now? And, and, and where can people see what you're doing? Yeah. Ashlyn, uh, Ashlyn hard seltzer is our Instagram and villager spirits is our canned cocktail Instagram. And it's the best way to keep up. I wish we could make enough to like be all over the country. We can't even make it out of Southern California right now. So, really? um, yeah, it's insane, man. It's, wow. man, it's insane. Yeah. Wow. But, um, but yeah, those are the best places. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate you being part of this. And uh, I know people that are listening are going to get a ton from this, um, especially because of how distracted this world is and and just kind of hearing the things that you had to say, just simplified everything. I think it's going to be a fresh perspective and, and give people a lot to think about. And um, yeah, appreciate you, man. Thank you. Awesome, man.